From the American Tobacco Historic District in downtown Durham, this is Due South on WUNC. I'm Jeff Tabiri. Running. Many Americans do it, from a neighborhood jog to the annual Thanksgiving 5K to those blister-seeking marathoners. An estimated 50 million Americans run in some way, shape, or form. And participation in running groups seems to have increased, especially during and since the pandemic. Are you in one of those groups? Maybe you've noticed one each Tuesday at your local brewery. Later this hour, we'll speak with some people who have joined running groups, not just to be healthy, but also to find safe and welcoming communities for runners of color. We'll talk to members of local chapters of Latinos Run, Black Men Run, and Black Girls Run. First, running and health. What does the research say about the good and not-so-good impacts of running on the human body? Dr. Chip Levy is Medical Director of Cardiac Rehabilitation and Preventive Cardiology and Director of the Exercise Laboratories at John Oshner Heart and Vascular Institute in New Orleans. Dr. Levy, welcome to Do South. It's a pleasure. When was your last run and how long was it? So my, I run every single day. And so my last run was uh, yesterday and it was about four and a half miles. And right now I, I, I used to probably average over 50 miles a, a week of running. I'm 65 now, so I've slowed down my pace considerably, but I'm still probably running in the low 30s per week right now. Well, that's pretty good, I think. Uh, what are the clearest and most significant benefits to running? So running is a high intensity form of, of exercise, you know, and obviously the faster your speed, the higher you get your heart rate, it's a relative basis because you can run really slow or you can run really fast. But the biggest benefits of running are that it's a very efficient way to get uh, exercise in. It's easy to do. You know, you can do it right usually out your front door. Uh, you can do it on treadmills. But, you know, it's it's convenient. It's pretty low cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the health benefits are substantial. And it includes things like burning calories and, and reducing weight and preventing weight gain, improving the lipids, uh, lowering the blood pressure, improving the, the blood glucose values. A very important thing is improving psychological stress, mm-hmm. relieving depression and anxiety. But the studies actually show very significant cardiovascular mortality and all-cause mortality benefits in runners. And and just to give an example, we did a study over a decade ago in one of the major cardiology journals called JAC, Journal American College of Cardiology, which is our leading cardiology journal in the United States, of 55,000 people and compared 13,000 runners compared to 42,000 non-runners. And we showed that the runners had a 25% reduction in mortality hmm. and over 30% reduction in cardiovascular mortality when followed uh, for over a decade. So pretty substantial benefits of running. If you would, tell me if there's a tipping point. There are deviations, right? There's there's somebody like yourself who's running 30, 35 miles a week. And you know then we have these, these ultra marathoners, the ultra runner types that are running 100 miles a week. That's obviously pretty extreme. But at what yeah. point do you start to see diminishing returns or a, a greater likelihood that you're going to hurt your joints or, or maybe have some kind of of overuse issue? Yeah, so variance, the the study I just uh, mentioned to you, we actually studied the dose of runners and we divided the dose into quintiles. So 20% uh, groups from the lowest to the highest dose of running. And we measured things like times per week, minutes per week, miles per week. And we showed that those runners in the lowest quintile 
those who are just running one to two miles, one to two times per week, running less than six miles per week and running less than 52 uh, minutes per week had the same cardiovascular and all-cause mortality benefit as did the highest dose runners. And the highest dose runners actually appeared to lose some of the benefit. And so we actually took the top quintile, the mm-hmm. top 20% mm-hmm. and divided them into tertials. And so we actually showed in another paper that was in the Mayo Clinic proceedings that the very highest group, the top 8% of dosing appeared to lose the benefit. And this mm. is way less than ultra marathons. Right. This is people basically running 35 miles a week, people running seven days a week, uh, running, you know, for, for, for many, many minutes per week. Yeah. We had to lose, but not worse than non-runners, but worse than the runners who were doing, you know, lower amounts. Now, clearly people doing ultra marathons and even marathons mm-hmm. is way more than what you need to right. do for health. Right. The reason they're doing that is for not for health reasons. They're doing that for, you know, love of the sport, uh, camaraderie, psychological reasons, sure. competition. Yeah. But, but clearly if you would, if you were trying to maximize your health, you can maximize the health benefits of running at fairly low levels. Now you got to run more often if you're doing it for burning sure. calories right. or if you're doing it to, to run better race times, right. you know, but if you're just doing it for health, you can get the health benefits at very low doses. Dr. Chip Levy is our guest here on Do South, sizing up for us and framing up the benefits of running and also some of the drawbacks. I want to get to some of the drawbacks here in a moment, but first a quick question, maybe a throwaway here, but tell us briefly about a runner's high. Is this an actual anatomical thing that happens or is this more of an old wives tale? I, you know, I think there is some some truth to it because I think there's been some some studies that have documented that some endorphins are released in the brain and people can get like a, a good feeling from running. But I, I do think probably the leading thing is probably just that it's not just a run as high, it's an exercise high that that uh that probably any form of exercise one makes people feel like they, they got a good feeling about what they're accomplishing. They're doing something good. And, and and so the psychological benefits, you know, make you feel better. And you and I think that compared to being just totally sedentary, people feel better about if they're able to do some exercise. I don't know if there's anything specific that it's running, but I think somebody would get that same benefit on a bicycle or an elliptical machine or a cross-country ski machine. Uh, let, let's spend a moment or two on some of the most common injuries incurred during or due to running. And I am curious if these kinds of injuries are generally attributed to poor form, overuse, or something else. I mean, obviously, people who have bad arthritis, bad knees and bad hips and really bad backs, sometimes that running is not the best thing for them. Now, the fact is that people who run chronically over many, many years generally Running actually is probably protective against developing, you know, some types of arthritis and 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 back and hip problems. The the thing is though, when somebody is a uh, a runner, there's some selection bias, and so so if if somebody has a really bad knee or hip, it's pretty hard to run. It's pretty hard to run regularly. But probably if you started young before you have all of those problems, it probably ends up being uh, actually protective mm-hmm. against. Uh, developing some some of those problems. So building on what you're talking about there, I'm thinking about people that don't maybe appear as typical runners. Um, how do they enter this space? 
So again, people have to start slow, and 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 you think you think about it. The difference between walking and running is really just the speed. You know, you just, I mean, so if somebody's, you know, I think for many people, if they haven't done much exercise, it's it's harder for them to start immediately running. But uh, if if someone started uh, walking and then started walking faster, and then if they got to where they walk in at a pretty good, uh, you know, pace for themselves, they could actually on parts of the, uh, of the walk, just start jogging a little bit, which mm-hmm. is basically just a little bit faster than they were, than they were walking and, uh, and gradually build up to a tolerance to where they could, you know, jog, uh, you know, or do a slow run, but 20, 30, 40 minutes straight. Um, and, 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 and again, some people can do that the first day they go out to, to exercise, yeah. but if someone's been very inactive, you know, if the weight's high, if they have some, you know, physical limitations, it's probably easier to start with a, uh, with a walk and gradually increase the speed of the walk and gradually get mm-hmm. into doing a little bit faster, uh, and, 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 and incorporating some slow jogging into yeah. the walking and gradually increase that. You mentioned some widespread uh, health challenges, health issues within American circle society. Uh, and communities of color suffer disproportionately from many of many health conditions, some of the ones you just mentioned a moment ago. Uh, and I'm curious about, you know, whether or not running may help address and may help drastically Im- improve some of these, uh, some of these challenges. So, you know, there's no question that, for example, in the African-American community, in the uh, Hispanic community, there's not big studies on running. Most of the running studies have honestly been in 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 Caucasians. But you would predict that these groups would actually get more benefit uh, from improving their 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 fitness level, lowering their weight, lowering their glucose, Mm -hmm. lowering their blood pressure than even a, a healthier group to begin with. I want to talk to you briefly about folks with disabilities, people who might not be able to run in the way we think of runners typically moving their bodies. What are the options for them or how do they partake in what we would classify as quote unquote running? So if someone is has disabilities that would prevent them from running or, or handicaps, and that, and that could include just really bad knees, really bad hips, that you can get very good forms of exercise on a bicycle. Some people can do a supine bicycle where it's not even an upright bicycle. There's elliptical machines, there's water exercise, there's uh, swimming, all of, of, of possible things. And some people who can't use their legs at all sometimes can use their arms cycling with the arms. Now, you don't get as good of exercise like that because the arms don't have as much weight and you're not moving your weight with that. But those would be all options for people that have physical uh, disabilities that prevent them from being able to run. Dr. Chip Levy is with the John Oshner Heart and Vascular Institute in New Orleans, and he's helping us here on Due South to better understand the impacts of running. Dr. Levy, thanks for joining us. It was a pleasure. I'm Jeff Tabiri. Due South continues in a moment. This is Due South on North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. I'm Jeff Tabiri. This hour on the program, we're talking about running. 
and I'm joined by three people who know each other from a community of running groups in the Triangle area. These groups often come together to run for unity runs, as they did earlier this month on MLK Day, honoring the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Arthur Livingston is a member of Black Men Run, Raleigh-Durham, Chapel Hill. Jasmine Santiago Tracy is a member of Latinos Run, Raleigh. She's also the host of Brown Girl Running Podcast. And our third guest, Eleanor Sykes, an ambassador for Black Girls Run. Y'all got me? Hey, Eleanor. I hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, 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 okay. Good to chat with you, Eleanor. Welcome. uh, Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? This is Jeff. I got you, Jeff. I'm in there good. Great, great, great. I love it. Eleanor wasn't in North Carolina when we spoke to her. She was in Florida for a race, of course. We're going to talk with each of our guests about their individual paths to running, the challenges they've faced as black and brown runners, and we'll explore the running groups that they're a part of and the really important role that they play in promoting health and perhaps, even more importantly, building community. Okay, and some of you all know each other. I gather your groups sometimes join together for special events and races. Is that correct, Arthur? That is correct. Tell me a little bit about this community, and, and, and you know Eleanor. Yes, I, I, I met Eleanor before I met Jasmine. Eleanor, her group, Black Girls Run, they used to run when I first moved to Raleigh. They would run by me, and I would just be out running before work, and you know, and I would see them running, and naturally, they'd just be running by me. And one day, I just struck up a conversation with them. Uh, that's how I got to meet uh, most of the Black Girls Run. At the risk of putting on Captain Obvious hat here, running is a space filled uh, predominantly by white people. But of course, there are not only white people in this space. Uh, Eleanor, I want to chat a little bit with you about uh, misconceptions. And I'm curious, Eleanor, how it is that you came to running? Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay, first of all, I always think running is sexy. I think it's the most sexiest thing you ever see in the world. But how I came into running is because I was severely obese. Um, very unhealthy, and I needed a knee replacement. And my doctor had told me, um, Eleanor, uh, can you run? Can you walk on them ugly knees? And I said, yes. He said, Eleanor, if you can walk on them knees, you can run. He said, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be yours because we need to expedite getting your weight down um, because I was getting ready for have bilateral knee replacement. And so I started just walk. I was already walking and then I implementing like moving a little faster. So I downloaded the couch to 5K program. Um, This is how I really got introduced really to running was from the couch to 5K. And how many years ago was that? Oh, my goodness. It is two. I started in 2011. Wow. So 13 years. And tell me about where you are today. How often are you running? And just like A to Z. How different are you today from a physical standpoint uh, than you were more than a decade ago? Oh, my goodness. I am exponentially much better physically, mentally um, better. Even with my knee replacements and everything, I'm doing, I run, shoot, I run more. Matter of fact, now than I did when I was um, bigger. Uh, But physically, I feel much better. Mentally, I feel much better. Mm -hmm. My running to me is a mental. Mine is mental. 
more so than physical. Mine is for mental therapy, my running. Let me just echo that uh, with you. I am a, a white runner, but uh, for me, like there are the physical attributes, but it is also a way for me to clear my head and just synthesize thoughts and be free and recalibrate and those sorts of things. So I, I certainly Ooh, echo that. Yes. T- tell yes. me about Black Girls Run. You found them. How did you do it? And, and what has that uh, addition to your life meant? So literally I was um, volunteering a Habitat for Humanity and then the lady was sitting, a black lady was standing there because she was waiting for a meeting and she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm sitting here Googling uh, Couch to 5K because my surgeon told me to look it up. And then she said, you ever heard of Black Girls Run? I said, no, Black Girls Run. She said, yeah, look them up. So I sit there and I look up Black Girls Run and found out that there was a local chapter running, as Arthur just said, literally right past his house. I stalked them for eight months (laughs) before I even showed her. I was too, I wasn't a runner. I was, I didn't know what a runner looked like, but I didn't, a runner didn't look like me, overweight, bad knees, can't hardly breathe. A runner don't look that way, but I stalked them for eight months. And then literally on that, you know, we have holiday meetups. So I finally got the nerve up on July 4th to come out, which was July 4th, 2015. And when I went out, there was like a hundred ladies out there all shapes, all sizes. They were walking, running, wiggling, woggling, jiggling, moving to the left, moving to the right. I said, wait a minute. These folks look like me. This is what runners look like. And I have literally been addicted. And since then, when I realized that um, runners is not what you see on that magazine. A runner is all sizes, all levels is what a runner is you clearly found a place and a space for you or you're, yeah. you're thriving and where uh, you found, uh, you know, a place where, where you really belonged. Uh, you love this group, yes. Black Girls Run. What about folks who can't run at this point in time? It's not about running. It's about moving. And when you find that safe space where you can feel accepted, mm-hmm. no judgment, you will just find your safe place. And that's what I found in what Black Girls Run. I found a place where I am okay and I'm not being judged. Eleanor Sykes is ambassador for Black Girls Run. She's here with us on Due South. So too is Arthur Livingston. Uh, He's in studio. Arthur, please tell me a little bit about your own history with running and let's back it up to when you were a little bit younger uh, in Chicago. I started running, basically I was a high school basketball player and we just ran during the all season, you know, just to stay in shape. Once I got off to college, I played a little basketball in college. I was basically a practice player. And once that first season ended, we had a coaching change. And when I went back to school, the coaches were like, well, we're starting all over. I was like, well, you know, I'm really not interested. But I kept running. And I ran all through college. Uh, I didn't run with the track team or anything. I mean, I just ran on my own all through college. After I graduated, got married, moved to Philadelphia, I kept running, then had kids, and my kids started playing basketball. So that ended my running career, basically, in Philadelphia. So for like 18 years, I was, you know, my kid's chauffeur, you know, either to their games, their practices, Uh you know, their friends' games, their friends' practices. And uh, if you know anything about AAU basketball— a little bit. You're there every weekend, <laughs> and, you know, you're definitely not eating anything healthy. And it's definitely not the high school down the way. No. You're driving 
300 miles to a tournament. Oh, definitely. And you're traveling during the summer. I mean, it's like, where are you going for vacation? Uh, I'm going to this AAU tournament. Uh, that was my vacations. And I just put on mass amounts of weight. If, if you don't mind me asking, we're talking 50 pounds. We're talking 150 pounds. I'm, I'm going to tell you, when we moved here, my wife and I, from Philadelphia and went to my you know first doctor's appointment, I weighed a little bit over 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. I proceeded to pack on another 20 pounds. Yeah. And I I was just sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, you know, I was working, eating, come home, you know, because my kids were, you know, my son was older, he was gone, my yeah. daughter was off in school. And I was like, this this can't happen. So basically one day what I did, I was like, oh, okay, well, let me start thinking like an athlete. So basically what I did is I identified my opponents. And my opponents were high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, everything that basically uh, that will affect, you know, a black male. And I put my team together and my team became my wife, son, daughter, friends. And basically that was my support system. And for like three months, I changed my diet. I did zero exercise and I lost 20 pounds. I started walking. First time I walked a mile, it took me a half an hour. And I was like, okay. And then this was right around the time when the Fitbit craze hit. Okay. So I bought a Fitbit. Good and man. I mean, I was like really into it. Like, you know, joined a couple of Facebook groups. Sure. And I mean, I was really into it. And a couple of years later, I had to have knee surgery. Mm-hmm. And I went in for my first knee. I had three knee surgeries in seven years. I went in for my first knee surgery and stepped on the scale. And I had gone from about. 325, 330 to about 235, wow. 240. Then that was a two-year period, yeah. you know, and then once, you know, knee surgery and then rehab and everything, you know, over the next couple of knee surgeries, I put a little bit back on. But basically now, that's all I do. That's what, you know, it's like to echo what Eleanor said, you yeah. know, running is a safe space just for your your mind, body, and spirit. And with your bunch of group, when you were a group of guys or a group of ladies, uh, that you know are about the same thing it, it just becomes that much more enjoyable i think sometimes that first step can be the hardest right just getting out of the cycle creating a new habit and it, it's all and losing weight is hard enough keeping it off is incredibly difficult uh running for you has been a, a mechanism to help uh not just with weight right like i don't want to be reductive here and say oh this is all, all about weight it's not it's about as you're talking about mind and body and spirit and community and, and so many different things yeah and then how i mean my story of meeting uh and joining black men run is similar to eleanor's you know i was out running because i lived near the noose river trail and I, and I would go out running on saturday morning the guys would run, run past me and uh, one day I, you know, so they saw them with their, their shirts on, and uh, I went back. I says, "Well, let me see if I can find them." Um, I found them on Facebook. I joined them. I started looking at how these guys were doing, and I was like, "Oh, I'm never gonna keep up with them." I mean, because you know, I'm the oldest of the group, and I was like, "But I still kept posting my runs and everything." And then I ran into some of the guys at a race, and they were like. Just come out. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah. We we already know why you don't come out. We know that you're thinking that you can't keep up with us. That's not what it's about. Nope. It's about keeping up with yourself. It's about keeping up with yourself. Just come out and run with us. Yeah. Okay. We don't we don't care about that, you know, and we leave no man behind, which we don't. 
A hundred percent. And I would extrapolate only briefly to say, you know, if I go into a gym and I'm going to shoot baskets and I see somebody flying above the rim and dunking, I, I once upon a time could could touch the rim. I can't dunk a basketball, right? And if I go into, and I don't do this anymore, but in my younger years, right? Like I'd go into, I used to lift weights. I don't anymore, but you go into a, uh, a gym and you see somebody bench pressing, I don't know, 250 or squatting 400 and you like, there's a little bit of an inferior, oh, I, I don't belong. Yeah, you do. Like, yeah. can you lift, oh wait, can you shoot a basketball? Can you run up a mile or walk a mile? Like, yeah, th- there's a place for you here. I want to bring in Jasmine Santiago Tracy uh, to our conversation. And uh, Jasmine, you're in your 30s. Sorry to give away your age, but I just did. Uh, you are a runner. How did you first uh, come to enter this space as a, as a runner? Uh, I started running about probably about the same time Eleanor did in like 2011. Okay. And I actually started running because actually I relate to you and Eleanor in the fact that it was for mental health reasons. Um, at the time I was going through trauma therapy and that's a lot to take on and process. And I found through running, I could meditate and it just became like the, and it still is to this day, like the ultimate form of self-care. Do you get a runner's high? Have you ever gotten a runner's high? I like to ask people about this because I occasionally will <laughs> will feel that. I feel those endorphins really firing on particular days. Yes. I actually, it's like so ingrained in my lifestyle. I feel weird, like not running. And I feel like every time I do run, it just feels so free and so connected with my body. So yeah, I did, I would say yes, I get a runner's high for sure. Okay. What challenges, if any, did you face when you entered into this this running space? Uh, the one thing is I started running back in Florida. And at the time, I didn't see people that looked like me, especially since I started out on trail. And I, I kind of did things backwards. Like before I ran a marathon, I ran a trail ultra marathon. And that was, what, was I'm sorry. I'm rate. sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you. That's what you started with. You started with an ultra trail marathon. That's very impressive. Before be a marathon. Before a marathon. No, okay. it was not. Yeah. Not okay. my first race. I definitely started with five K's okay. Okay. and then moved on. But like before doing an actual marathon, wow. I did a trail ultra marathon with some running friends that I met through a local running group. And I remember being there and just thinking, wow, there's nobody that looks like me. Everybody's white in the trail community Mm. um, at that time. It's definitely gotten more diverse now, but I just remember in the beginning, like, wow, there's not a lot of like women of color in trail or, you know, in the ultra marathoning space in general. This is maybe going to sound like a a, a simpleton question uh, as a white male, but I'm still going to ask it. What followed that, right? Like you enter into a space, you realize that there are not a lot of people who look like you. What were the challenges or the problems or, you know, the next layer that followed that from from your experience? Well, I think the one thing that sticks out for me is I've always been very vocal with what I want to represent as a Puerto Rican, Mexican, and Indigenous person. I've always wanted to be that representation so other people in my community could see, oh, if you can run an ultra marathon, I can run an ultra marathon. If you can run on trail, I can run on trail. Mm -hmm. And I think just me being like very vocal in what I believe in has kind of attracted people who want to challenge that. Um, 
I unfortunately lost a lot of friends because of my viewpoint in, you know, just everybody deserves to be treated equally. And I would say the hardest thing I've ever gone through is having a training partner basically harass me after I went to a Black Lives Matter protest. She kind of, you know, said you're reverse racist and said some pretty mean things that I had to process and you know, learn to move forward from that. And at the risk of trying to get into their psyche, they didn't think that you were an appropriate participant of a Black Lives Matter rally because you're Latina? Yes. You you would be surprised. There was people within my own family that were like, "If what about brown lives? And they just didn't understand what it meant. Yeah. And it did open up a lot of interesting conversations with those family members, which I felt like really needed to happen. And also made me realize maybe I'm in the wrong community uh, as far as like the friendships that I had in Florida. Interesting. Uh, We're chatting here on Due South about running, about uh, people who are black and brown running and how they have or have not been embraced. Uh, We're chatting with Arthur Livingston, Eleanor Sykes, and Jasmine Santiago Tracy. Jasmine, I want to, I guess, ask you to flip the coin over, and I'm hopeful that there is a flip side of this coin. Uh, how have people wrapped their arms around you, so to speak, right? Like you, you mentioned these challenges, but in what ways has this been fulfilling or have you been maybe able to bridge uh, some connections between different cultural groups or into corners that maybe weren't as warm to this when you started a decade or so ago? I, I feel like... In the running space in Florida, I was able to find my people, kind of like get out of the communities that I felt like weren't fostering like what I believe in and the person that I, you know, and the people that I represent. And I was able to link up with other people of color runners in the running community, and they really helped me. And through that experience and that friendships, I realized like, wow, we have gone through similar occurrences within the running community. Um, it's, it's sad to say like, we're bonding over this experience that we've been treated horribly in the running community or, you know, felt not included in things in the running community. Mm -hmm. Um, but it kind of made me realize like, okay, well maybe we need to, you know, sought, sought out these running groups like black men run, black girls run and, uh, Latinos run in order to like foster that. It's a safe space where you don't have to, you know, necessarily go the route I did where I would go to these group runs that were predominantly white. And I've many times felt so excluded. Like I've had people like not even acknowledge me or talk to me. But when I show up to like a Latino run or when we do a unity run between the black men run and the black girls run, everybody's so incredibly welcoming. And that is just so nice to feel in that, in the running community. Jasmine Santiago Tracy is a member of Latinos Run Raleigh. She's also the host of Brown Girl Running Podcast. Also, uh, as part of our conversation, we are chatting with Eleanor Sykes. She's an ambassador for Black Girls Run. And here with me in studio is Arthur Livingston. He's a member of Black Men Run, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. 
We're chatting all about running this hour on Due South, the benefits, the challenges, the uh, cross-cultural pollination, how far perhaps we've come. We'll ask about that in our next segment and also um, some of the challenges that continue to persist. This is Due South on North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. This is Due South on WUNC. I'm Jeff Tiberi, back here with Arthur Livingston in studio. He's a member of Black Men Run, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. On the line is Eleanor Sykes, ambassador for Black Girls Run. And also joining us remotely is Jasmine Santiago Tracy, member of Latinos Run Raleigh, also host of the Brown Girl Running Podcast. We're talking about their personal running journeys and experiences as runners as minority runners and as minorities who have and have not always uh, been welcomed into this space. I want to revisit uh, what admittedly is a terrible chapter, just an awfully brutal story from four years ago. This act of violence took place in Georgia when Ahmaud Arbery was shot and killed while jogging through a mostly white Georgia neighborhood. And I'm interested for you to share a little bit with us, if you have a reflection from that time, what your memories were learning that processing that and just understanding that that was the reality uh, of where we were at at that moment here in America. Arthur? Uh, That was uh, just like everybody else. You know, if it wasn't for that video, we would have never known anything about that. That was an extremely upsetting and shocking moment in my life. I have a 36-year-old son, and it uh, it's kind of like times hard to put in the words, the the emotions that you you felt when you when you saw that, and then I I just thought I reflect back on when I lived in Philadelphia. We had just bought our first home in Philadelphia, and we didn't move more than a half a mile from where we are. We were the first black family to move into this development. Now this is the mid to late nineties in Philadelphia. And I go out for a run and I get stopped by the police. And I had been running this route all the time, but Mm -hmm. I guess they saw the neighborhood that I came out of Mm -hmm. and they knew that, you know, no one black lived in that neighborhood. Uh, And I got stopped and, you know, they're asking me, you're running, where you coming from, what you doing, They're asking me all the standard questions. And it just so happened that this is one day I had ID with me, which I never really ever kept with me. I mean, I was a lot younger, so. And I explained everything to him. I was like, well, you know, I lived there, you know. I didn't have my address, my driver's license changed to reflect the address, but, you know, I give him the address. I was like, well, yeah, how would I know, give you a specific address on a specific street if I didn't know that? And it was really upsetting that I got stopped. So I go back, you know, I tell my next door neighbor about it. He was a police officer and he took mm-hmm. care of it for me. And that was extremely upsetting for me, you know. But uh, that made me think back when Amal was killed. It made me think back to when I was stopped, you know, for running. I, mean, I was just out for a run. Right. And no one regardless of your age, race, or color, should be treated like that when you're out for a run. 
Right. You know? And I will only push back in the, the slightest, most delicate way by noting that you going to your neighbor and your neighbor was a police officer and he took care of it. And I'll say he didn't take care of it because it was already done. He, there, there, you can't take care of it after the fact. After that kind of act of discrimination and racism, like it, unfortunately, is uh, the, the the stain is there, the scar is there. From my perspective, uh, Eleanor, I, I'm interested from your perspective in the aftermath of the Ahmad Arbery murder. I guess kind of twofold. One, what the conversations were like within your running group, your communities that you hit hit the, the ground with, uh, and also what it meant to you as a mom. Oh, wow. So first of all, I have three sons, and my, my, my sons are 34, 33, and 30. So you can imagine when this happened, first thing I do is pick up the phone and I call my sons, and two of my sons are Marines. But it, it, it it's, that's your child. I just started crying because I'm like, that's my child. That's literally my son out there running right now. And now I'm going to go to, we talking about what happened then. I'm just going to go to a year ago. My, my son is, my son, my oldest son, he's 34. And um, he was married 10 years and he's going through a divorce. So he uses running, he started using running as therapy. So he bought a house and done and he's running at night. And I told him, Isaiah, you cannot run at night. I'm sorry. He said, mama, I said, Isaiah, I am so sorry, but you cannot be running at nine, 10 o'clock at night in your neighborhood. You can't do it. I said, because I, it's, it's just the time. He's like, no, mama, we're going back and forth. Eight months ago, my son, just like Arthur, running in his neighborhood. This is eight months ago. He calls me and he automatically puts me on FaceTime. And he's like, mama, um, I have the police right here. I just got pulled over. I said, oh, my God. My heart starts racing. Sure. He has on he has on his lights, he has on his headlights, he has on his armband, you know, he has on his running gear. And the first thing he said is, um, I want to let y'all know, tell the police officer, I got you on FaceTime. I have my mom, I have you on FaceTime. Why was I stopped? And they said, Well, we got a complaint that a uh, black man was running in around the church. He said, I live right across the street. But their whole attitude turned when he said, I have you on video right now, and I have my mom on the phone. This was eight months ago. And, this, and just to in understand, Dunn, in, in Dunn, Dunn, North, North Carolina. Carolina, in Harnett County, North Carolina. In Dunn, North Carolina. Police yes, or sheriff yes. yeah, who got involved. No, it was the police. Yeah. And he said, they said, well, we got a complaint that you were running around the church. He said, yeah, I just left my house and I run. And this was like at 945 at night. And my heart is racing while I'm on the phone with my son. He has me on FaceTime and I'm like, oh, my God. Because I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. There's just some things you can't do. And I am so sorry, but it is the reality that black men have to deal with. You can't run with a hood on your head. You can't run with two air beds. I'm, t I'm telling my son, when we're, when, if you're running out on the trail, you run out, period. I need for you to start announcing, runner back. Don't stop yelling mm. until you pass the person. That is the reality that we live in. Because I told him, if you do not be announcing and be loud, hey, run her back, run her back. You run up on somebody, they're going to jump. They're going to panic. You don't know what they are. And mainly if they are of another color, another yeah, race. Right. That is just the reality that we live in. But in our community, um, for us even starting the Ahmad 2.23 races, I mean, it runs to bring awareness to what happened. It is, it is a in-depth conversation about safety about safety it's that's the that's the word safety mm -hmm. the do's and don'ts of what you can and can't do as a runner 
mainly when we're talking to our black men, I'm sorry, but you can't do that. Regardless of what, like that, those are our conversations. If you're running, do not have on a hoodie. I'm sorry. Do not have your head covered up. Do not have on headphones. Announce loud. These are the conversations mm -hmm. that we are having. Because if you do not, then it can be my son. It's going to be someone else's son. But this is, you said about the conversations that we have in our yeah. community. This is what we're having. It's educating. Regardless of what we think it should be in 2020, 21, 22, 23, 24, that's not the reality. The reality is you still can't do this. Eleanor Sykes is here with us on Due South. So too is Arthur Livingston, as well as Jasmine Santiago Tracy. Let me just briefly acknowledge the, the, the privilege that I sit in, right? Like I run, I, I don't have to think about time of day, trail versus road. And the only safety concern I have is, do I want to run on that road or is it too busy, right? I don't have to think about what I'm wearing or who I'm with or who I'm coming up on. I just don't, you know, just acknowledging that privilege. But I want to stay with the reality for a moment. I want to hopefully word this question right because I don't want to point a finger uh, at somebody who's being discriminated against or or who is the victim of just ignorance here. But are there other best practices or do's or don'ts, Arthur or Jasmine, that you take into account as you go out and run? And Jasmine, I'll, I'll, I'll turn to you first, but uh, is there a, a checklist, so to speak? Are there things that you have to think about as a brown runner? All the time, and especially being a female, and then even more so because I'm not white. My husband's white. He doesn't have to think about what time of day, like I personally run in the daylight. I refuse to run. And if I run in the evening, it's going to be during with the sun up and with him just for safety reasons. But before I walk out that door, I send my location to my husband. I make sure I have a defense mechanism device on me. You know, I run with earphones, but they're not like canceling of noise. I could still sure. hear everything around me. Right. And I am constantly looking around at my surroundings because I just have to be hyper vigilant. And even going back to the Ahmad Arbery, you know, murder, that for me made me so anxiety ridden. I lived in a predominantly white suburb in Florida. And I was so scared to run in the neighborhoods for fear that somebody would call the cops on me or try to do something to me. It was, that was a really, really scary time. And I often think about that when I'm out running, like, do I look like a threat? Like, or could somebody try to hurt me because they see an opportunity of a, you know, a female, a, a woman of color running by themselves. And that's why I feel like it's, important to maybe perhaps run with a group for safety reasons as well. I can add to that. Uh, sometimes I think, you know, I'm six five. Okay. My wife will tell me, it says, you know, you intimidate people. I was like, yeah, well I do. And I kind of use that to my advantage sometimes, but even when I'm out running sometimes, even though I'm by myself, I always keep something with me and, Sometimes when the guys with me, I'm sure it annoys the heck out of them when they're with me. I keep something in my pocket that's always shaking. I have it with me now. And that way, someone will always hear me coming. Coins, keys? Keys. You know, it's it's my keys. You know, it's some coins. It's like an empty breath mint pack that's full mm -hmm. of coins. Mm -hmm. So people will hear me coming. And especially as, you know, I can see what, what Jasmine said. She says, you know, 
with, I, to this day, I can't understand why I see women, especially white women, out running by themselves. And, you know, it's either on, you know, I used to live near the News River Trail, and I would see them out there. And I just can't understand. I don't, maybe it's because they just feel safe mm -hmm. because they're white. But I always reflect on most of the times when a woman is abducted while she's out running, all of the stories have been about white women. And I can't think of what company it was. It wasn't Nike. But I think last year or year before, they had a commercial with a woman out running at night by themselves. And they caught a lot of flack about that commercial. Mm. And it came to my mind, and to this day, you know, I, I applaud Eleanor and I applaud Jasmine because they never run by themselves. And when we run together, we never let anybody run by themselves. And actually, I just, you know, finished this up. When our Unity run, there was a lady that was running with us, and we went through a neighborhood uh, that was a little shaky, I mm -hmm. must say. Mm -hmm. I have to say, and I kept her in my sights. She was white. I kept her in my sights the entire time. And till we, you know, turned the corner and we got back to where we were. But like I said, you know, I always keep something with me to let people know that I'm coming. And Eleanor, next time I see your son, I am going to give him a big hug. Okay. We, uh, we have just a couple more moments here on Due South on this uh, episode in which we are talking about running. Uh, and I want to end it. Uh, and I want to hear from each of you for a moment or so, a minute or so, perhaps a little bit less, uh, about what your groups mean to you and what they provide to you. Uh, and I, uh, a sense of community, a sense of place, and the health benefits. We've we've talked about that, but beyond that, I'm interested if there's a final bow or something that you want to want to add about what your groups what your groups provide to you. Arthur, uh, go ahead. Uh... Well, Black Men Run, I have to tell you, uh, we've been, we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. We went to Atlanta, and there were somewhere six, 700 of us in Atlanta for a weekend. Wow. From all across the nation. Mm -hmm. And just the fellowship, the camaraderie, you know, the, just the friendship with other guys, you know, from all across the nation. Jasmine, Santiago, Tracy, tell us a nugget, a morsel, a something uh, about Latinos Run Raleigh, uh, why it's so special to you, and, uh, uh, you know, why, why others should consider joining it. It's so special to me um, personally because I live very far from my family. Most of my family either live in central Florida or in Chicago. And, you know, being in the Latino community, uh, family is a huge, a big deal. And being far away from that is, it's tough living far away from family. And they've, you know, Latinos run Raleigh feels like family. It's, it's family, it's community, as well as like the representation. Because when I first started out, I rarely saw any other Latinos in this, the races and events that I was going to. And now it's just so nice to see more of us out there in all of these running spaces, everything from like the 5k on the track to ultra marathoning. And especially on the trail, I think there's not as many um, Latinos out on trails and just having the opportunity to go to events through Latinos Run Raleigh on the trail. It's just great to see 
more of us out there doing these things as well as like setting a good example for our family members. Cause personally, I'm the first person in my family to start running. And since doing that, everybody else in my family got the running or walking bug. And it's been really nice to see them pursue something that makes them happy and healthy. Mm. Eleanor Sykes, you are an ambassador for Black Girls Run. You talked earlier this hour uh, about shaking it uh, and just making it uh, worth all your while. Tell me a little bit more about Black Girls Run and the importance that it has uh, on your everyday life. So I can tell you right now, I will be doing this for the rest of my life. Um, Even when I could not run, I was walking and I was doing it with my group. I have sister wives. I have cultivated friendships that I will have for the rest of my life. When you are with someone that is trying to do the same thing you do, you know, survive, that is a friendship, a relationship that you can continue with the rest of your life. It's not about a quick goal. It's about sustainability. You want to be able to sustain your lifestyle. So be able to cultivate these relationships, these friendships, these networks that I know I can continue for the rest of my life. It's been nothing but I'm going to just say it, God, and I feel so blessed to be a part of this community, all of these communities. And when we come together as one, when they see all of us coming down the street, I'm going to tell you right now, it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Eleanor Sykes is ambassador for Black Girls Run. Jasmine Santiago Tracy is a member of Latinos Run Raleigh and also host of the Brown Girl Running Podcast, and Arthur Livingston is a member of Black Men Run Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Thanks, y'all, for a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. It's a pleasure. Thank you. For my co-host, Leonita Inge, my name is Jeff Kabiri. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.